Welcome to the Swing Hard Podcast with Coach Denny Barrett. For 30 years, Coach Denny has recruited and coached some of the top collegiate and professional athletes from the world. During that time, Denny created the Batters Program, which prepares young players to succeed at the high school level and beyond. With this podcast, it doesn't matter if you play baseball or not. It's time to step up to the plate, get some inspiration, and swing hard with Coach Denny Barrett. This is called a Swing Hard Podcast, and, and it's called Swing Hard in case you hit it. And, and we are with KP Anderson, and, and I learned we had the great Jimmy Pardo on last last week. And mm-hmm. I, I think, are you friends with Jimmy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I was I kept mentioning Jimmy's name every 10 seconds, and he said, hey, Bear, hey, Denny, I'm a little bit of a rookie here, although this is episode number 52, mm-hmm. 52. And so, and we, we are now up to close to 10,000 listeners. How about that, KP? Wow. Huh? Congratulations, man. That's yeah. fantastic. Now, tell me about the new show you're working on. You were starting that out and then we'll get into it. Yeah. This. Yeah. So I am a, I'm executive producer, showrunner for a really fun project that's, uh, that's going to hit the airwaves sometime later this year. It is uh, on the CBS network. It will be a two-hour celebrity pickleball tournament. Uh, produced by uh, produced by my friends at Funny or Die, myself, CBS Productions, and uh, Stephen Colbert's Spartina Productions. Wow! Hosted hosted by the one and only Stephen Colbert. Primetime two hour celebrity pickleball, <laughs> fastest growing sport in America. I, is there any lines in Vegas on the on this event at all? Any pickleball lines? Well, we, we, we don't have any celebrities booked yet, so it'd be weird if there were lines already. But uh, <laughs> but no, we're doing it for comic relief. So um, we're trying. We actually today spent some time trying to figure out how we could incorporate gambling into this to raise money for comic relief. Yes. That's part of our, uh, you know, the, the, a lot of what's what's better, this or this? I, I, I can't decide. I was just watching a podcast of yours with, uh, and I don't know the business very well, with a gentleman named BT. It was Gemini or something. Oh, Gemini. Yeah. yeah, I did that a little while ago. Yeah. That was great. And you you had made fun of your hairline. And I thought, fuck, you're safe here, man. You're going to be really <laughs> safe in this group. With, well, she's been with- safe with BT, too. He's been bald since I met him. <laughs> <laughs> Listening, listening to you guys, though, man, the fear came over and I called Rob before I go, hey, man, this guy's big. I mean, I, I, we just started. I know. I appreciate humility. But Gary man has my phone number. How yeah. big am I? <laughs> By the way, it's Gary man, as Jimmy said last week, Gary man and Johnny man. There, you can't say yeah. Gary or you, you got to say Gary man. Yeah. yeah. I've yeah. always been that way. Yeah. Because yeah. he makes you. He <laughs> whines. If you don't do it, basically... When I'm in the presence of Gary Mann, I am in the presence of just like, I don't really show up with an agenda or a personality even because he's just going to make me be what he needs me to be that day. And he just does it through pure white hot Jewish guilt. Um, <laughs> I, I, how I met Gary was through his son, Johnny. And now we have a youth program. I, I coach at Notre Dame High School in the, in the San Fernando Valley. And then I uh, also have a group called Batters, Baseball Advanced Training and Sounds great. Recruiting services. So, and what we've done here is um, I got a chance to work with kids ages eight mm-hmm. uh, up to 18. And yeah. uh, it's, a, it's a blessing I never thought was coming. Uh, yeah. and, and it's just there. But Gary, I met through his son, Johnny. And I remember hitting ground balls to his son. And it's about relationships, just like in your business. And, yeah. and Gary, at one point, said, uh, he said, uh, I said something. I said, Johnny hurt his hand. He was out there taking ground balls. He hurt his finger and he's shaking it. And he said, I go, Johnny. Nobody cares how you feel. Now, I didn't mean it in that. I didn't mean like we're, we're mean, but the truth yeah. is next ball up, next ball up. Because 
we know feelings aren't facts or I know feelings aren't facts. So I don't care what kind of facial expression you want to make, what kind of body language you want to have and so forth. We got to get to the next ball. And Gary absolutely loved that. He said, yeah. got it. I love that. You're right. We don't, we don't care how I mean, we feel. When you talk about youth athletics and you talk about where it takes you and where it brings you in life, um, that is it. That's the nutshell right there is, you know, I've been in entertainment now for a long, long time. I started out as a stand-up comic. I, you know, I was a mediocre to okay, mediocre baseball player in Minnesota nice. high school, a better hockey player uh, because I'm feisty and I like to hit against my size. Um, but baseball and the failure rate in baseball is such an incredibly important thing to developing, you know, if you, if you get that experience. And I think that all sports to some degree or another, coaching goes a long way and all that other stuff, but that's exactly it. Get to the next one, get to the next one, get to the next one. You know, my whole, my whole business, even when I'm working, even when I'm getting paid is a successive string of no's looking for a yes. You know, you're always up against, you know, not never impossible odds, but always difficulty and obstacle and trying to find a way to make it work and make it good. And without that, without that, you know, mindset in the back of my head, one of those things, because I was mediocre to good in baseball, I capped, I peaked at a level. And when I peaked at a level and then I got on with my life because I, rec- I was able to recognize that peak against, you know, I happened to be standing on the floor of the Metrodome trying out futilely for the twins and Chuck Knobloch happened to be standing next to me throwing darts into a catcher's mitt right. is when I went, oh, my God, holy shit, I, I, can, I can go get drunk. <laughs> I can do I can do all these things. I can have a life. But I like. But it was, you know, now on bad days when I'm running TV shows, and I always do this, I always use baseball as my metaphor on the bad days. If we turn in a bad show or we have a rough day producing, I always just like, I look at that and I look at the guys who make the pros and I look at the guys who struggle in the pros. And I'm always able to look at a staff that's getting paid to make TV and go, do you guys have any idea how great you have to be at this to suck as bad as we did at it today? Wow. Wow. That's a great way of putting it right there, man. Yeah. Hey, but as 11 years old, man, so you're 11 years old, you're in, you're in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. How, how, where does it come from? Where's that intrinsic motivation come from to say, hey, or Chuck Knobloch, you look to your right and you go, it, man, I don't care how many weights I lift. I don't care how, how big and strong, how long I work out. How do you keep going? How do you keep going in your business when the negatives keep coming, keep, keep popping in your head? I mean, it's, it's the key. I, a part of it is, you know, once you once you get far enough down a line, sort of like on the overall total, you're you're sort of at a at a zero fail acceptance rate. Like I can fail daily on selling a show or doing this or that, but you know, in life against what you you know you take on things in life, you take on uh, financial burden, you take on. Uh, I have a wife, I have a daughter, she's in college, I got to pay for it. Um, luckily, she's super smart. She's at Northeastern, go Huskies. Uh, um, but, uh, but, but you, you know, you and, and there's nothing else that I'm qualified to do that would pay me as well as when I get hired doing my job in this right. thing. Like it is a, it is a fast slope to fry cook for me. Like, so, so I mean, that's a big piece of it is that, is that necessity, you know, you, you know, after a certain point, whether you belong in it or not, like I, I've, I've been doing this for a long time. So I know I'm good at it. 
right. you know, or I know that a, a, an incredibly long succession of people have been bad at hiring. Um, so <laughs> it's likely that I'm good at it. And so that's a big piece of it is just, you know, and, and it's, and it's the, the critical part. And I think that it also lines up with sports is the critical part of it is, you know, is, is finding confidence when you're just in a slump. It, when you just can't, you know, and, that, and and frankly, I'm not that far removed from one. COVID, uh, COVID had me sitting on my front step, staring at the street for nine months, right. and and you, and then getting back in, and I'm of a certain age now, where it, I'm not, I'm not fresh, I'm not young, and I'm not cheap. So yeah. you know, yeah. so all of those things are, all those things play a role in, you know being willing to adapt, being willing to put yourself in new environments, being willing to understand when your industry is changing that you need to change with it. You don't get to lecture it about how it needs to be. Um, um, all those pieces, and, and again, a little bit athletic, it's not so much uh, physical as it is mental, um, that, there's a, that there's, I did a show called The Soup for 12 years, uh, put my kid through private school, it paid a ton of bills, bought me a nice house, all these other things. And, um, and once I moved on from that, I sold shows, I made shows, nothing has run 12 years. Um, um, but I've continued to work and make money and be, and be productive in it, but adapting to that different, you know, adapting to that different mindset of, okay, now you're back in the real world where TV shows maybe get a pilot, maybe get eight, 10, 13, 19 episodes, um, but things end. And, you know, I'm no longer in what felt like sort of a career lifetime full-time job uh, that only lasted half the distance that they usually do. Um, so, so, you know, you have to, it's adapting to that. It's adapting to the fact that it's like, Hey, you know, your previous successes and all of your charm don't mean much if you're not willing to do the work the same way you did it when you needed a break. Jesus, man. You know what? I know now why you're so good. Again, I I watched you in in BT. I don't know. I don't know who I watched you two who gone way back together. Yeah. And it was so easy. I had a little bit of resentment because it's easy working with someone that you that you've been with. You guys are shooting the back and forth, and then you got Denny Barrett over here going. I got Kay Peterson. I cannot create that relationship with him in thirty minutes or ten minutes. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Like I got questions already because you said Notre Dame. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, how long have you been at Notre Dame? Well, I went to school there. I graduated in '82. My uh-huh. dad graduated '54. My brother '75, '77. I taught there, and now I'm the varsity coach over there for the last. 10 years. I, okay, I was, okay. Yeah, I came back. 10 years. So you got yourself some Hunter Green. You got yourself some Eddie Mull. Absolutely. Uh, Father Philip is one of my really good friends. And if you graduated from there, you yeah. got um, you got uh, all the, oh my God. Jim Foley like, from way back, but no, but yeah. I, exactly. I, played, I play golf at Lakeside. And okay. so there's a ton of guys you went to high school with who, who are members there. Um, um, uh, 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 lots over at Buckley. Yes. 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 Absolutely. Lots. Absolutely. Lots was my daughter's golf coach and a really good friend. And, so and your daughter went to Buckley. Yeah. Graduated with Emma, his, uh, his, his daughter. Um, oh, that's awesome. We have a, a player of mine named uh, Joel Madden who had on the, we had on the, uh, on our podcast. He came in early. He was awesome, man. And, and yeah. his son Sparrow plays in our, in our youth group. And 
I got our, our assistant coach at uh, for batters is now the head varsity coach at Buckley. And I've been up there. What a beautiful campus, man. It's, a, it's, it's like, I remember when we went to tour it and we were walking around, I was, I was like to my daughter, like, you know, when you get to college or at some point in time, you're going to realize that life isn't the four seasons. Like yeah. this is, it's, they have, they have like wicker furniture for the kids <laughs> to sit on outside. I went right. to Cambridge High School in Cambridge, Minnesota. Yeah, right. like like there was nothing. There nothing was nothing. there. We had a tree trunk. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, is it Hamlin University? Is that where you yes. went to college? Fighting Pipers, baby. I was going to ask you. They call the Fighting Pipers, right? Yeah. So when you get out of high school, you go to Cambridge High, you go to Hamlin University. Never heard of it, but when you research a guy, you get to find out a little bit about him. Say, oh, yes. okay, and then UCLA. How did you know that you're going to be from oh, Hamlin? UCLA. I'm so sorry. That is like the worst LinkedIn mistake of all time, by the way. Perfect. Is I took an extension course there during the <laughs> pandemic. And then, and I, and I like was, you know, doing what you do and trying to show that I was, you know, continuing and that I'm learning more. And it was about marketing and, and stuff because I'd been doing stuff at Netflix and I was like, boy, they're marketing people. We don't get each other at all. And it's because I don't know how they do what they do. So I took this, I took this marketing class there, but it now shows up on my LinkedIn that I'm an alumni at UCLA, which is just like, oh, they never would have had me. Um, yeah, yeah, it's definitely there. It's definitely there. I, I can tell you that. I, I saw it and I went, okay. I saw the Hamlin and I went, man, I, I don't know much about I know UCLA, but I don't know much about but the, the how did you get to though? Hey, uh, if you don't mind a little bit, it says here about where where'd I have it? It says uh Three things that that uh, KP Anderson does. If KP is standing up, he'll tell you a joke. If -hmm. you're sitting down, you'll write you a joke. And if Mm -hmm. you're in a network office, you'll sell a show. Now, how does that's what that's what they described you at the very end? That uh, that's me. That's solid marketing, baby. That's that. That was like that that was. uh, I'm I'm actually pretty proud of that one. (laughs) Yeah, I I like how you wrote that out there. Well, so yeah, so so. The, the short version of the long story, I, I did go to Hamlin. I baseball helped. Hamlin is a Methodist school, and I was the only Methodist baseball player in my, you know, I, I washed out of baseball in my fre- after my freshman year, um, yeah. but, uh, but I was the only Methodist baseball player that they were looking at from my region, and there was a Methodist scholarship available. And so nice. uh, Hamlin baseball coach came up and checked out my wicked 76-mile-an-hour changeup. And, With uh, movement. It's got movement, though. It's got movement, movement, right? It had good movement. I was a lefty. And, uh, wow. and he was literally like, he goes, yeah, you go to church? And I went, well, I'm, I was confirmed Methodist. And he goes, could you go like once a month? And I was like, why? And he goes, just answer. And I went, sure. <laughs> so I got a very nice little scholarship from the Methodist Church to go to nice. University. Um, and, uh, but but yeah. left-handers, we should say there's right-handers and there's wrong-handers, just so yeah. you know. And you left-handers, man, get guys out. I don't know what it is, but a left-handed pitcher out there, if I can have a staff of left-handed pitchers mm-hmm. for some – well, I know so because guys are out in the front foot, you get – but you guys are crafty. You're sneaky. You have an illegal move to first base. There's mm-hmm. nothing right about you guys. That's yeah. why we call you wrong well, handers. And with and with righties, we can locate. With right-handed batters, we can locate. And with left-handed batters in a pinch, we can make it look like we're throwing at their head and they'll move. Yeah, exactly. And that's it. Because lefties always tend to come a little bit wider out. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. like it's all. It always seems like it's coming in there. So if you can affect any kind of a breaking ball, right? You can. And and it just doesn't matter, especially at. Younger levels, it just doesn't matter. When it looks like it's coming at your head, it looks like it's coming at your head, and it affects your thought, and it affects your process. 
Yeah, that confidence. You go in there with all that. We talk about confidence. All of a sudden, it just changes just a little bit when a ball's coming at your head, right? Yeah, there. and yeah. and honestly, I peaked at like eighty-four miles an hour, so I could just throw it at their head. Yeah, like, well, I'm going to hurt anybody. <laughs> but I'll tell you, there's a lot of you know left-handers. We're talking baseball here with KP Anderson. My God, man, I, I get on these things. I've been doing this for a little bit, like a year, and then I get on guys like yourself, and I appreciate again your humility, but. Um, God, I'm sweating. I get nervous talking to you guys, man, because uh, I, I and but if we talk baseball, I get a little bit more comfortable. You talk about confidence. And so when you see a left hander on the mound, you see Kershaw. There are yeah. guys in the past like John Tudor. There's yeah. guys in there that if soft left handers, soft left handers. But mm -hmm. um, but you had to locate your pitches. Mm -hmm. And I assume it's the same in comic and writing that you got to locate the right writer, the right the right time to say something, yeah. the right time to bring it out. Well, yeah. And stand up really ties into that. So, so yeah. So I went to Hamlin. I started doing stand up at Hamlin. I had a public speaking professor who literally was like, your speeches, you lie. You don't do any research. And so you make up <laughs> about Andrew Jackson. Like all you had to do was like literally recite something back and instead, but it's hysterical. Yeah. And he goes, so I can either fail you or you can go to an open mic night at one of the comedy clubs and see how you do. Wow. And I had already, Louis Anderson was a big part of my life, was a big wow. mentor and was a Minnesotan. And my mom had introduced me to Louis stand up on a, on a PBS special. I was like 15, 16 years old walking through the living room. And I was like, I could do that. Yeah. I want to do that. And, yeah. and But then it just sat there dormant for a while. Sure. Um, and then I went and did that first open mic night. And yeah, I think that the pitcher's mound and the stand-up stage have a lot in common because you're not, you go in with a plan, but then you start reacting to what the environment gives you right? and, and, and how things land and what happens. And sometimes you get out ahead and you can get more aggressive or you can, or you, or you suddenly go, oh, I didn't think I was going to do the long version of this bit because there's too much, you know, there, there's too much finite stuff that an audience who's just sitting there drinking and looking for a good time might not go on that road with me. But now that I see them on that road, you can have a better show, you can have a better performance, you can, you can, you can have a longer start and get a win. Um, yeah, you start to recognize what that audience is showing you. And, and so it's that like, it's, it's, you know, in baseball, it's 94% sight. And in comedy, it's more 50-50 sight and sound. Wow. What's the pressure you have on you? Is there pressure that you don't want to fail for the guy behind you? Or is there pressure that you want to kick the audience's ass so the guy behind you does fail? Or is there any of that stuff going on? Uh, after you've been doing it for a long time, like people always say, you know, that stand up, like people who don't do stand up, well, I was going, oh my God, that's the scariest thing. That's the hardest thing. And I, and yeah. my, you know, my sort of stock, but true answer is uh, not, if, not if you're supposed to be doing it is wow. it's kind of like if you, if, if, if you're natural in that space and you're natural to that environment and, and you have a, and you've done well on the learning curve of it, then, you know, there's way more good shows than bad. Doesn't mean that there aren't bad shows and bad nights, but when you get into that, when you get into that bad night zone, um, a lot of the time you, you sort of, a lot of the time you sort of uh, um, instead drop to like, not, I don't want to fail, but you know what, F these guys. And, and you start to fight a little harder and sometimes that works in your favor. And sometimes you walk off a little annoyed, but, um, but it's, it's a little bit more of a, 
it's a, like it, it's it's self-serving and it's and it's incorrect but there's a little bit of hey I'm the one who belongs here not you to the audience yeah and, and what I've learned over the years and I think has made me better in stand-up as I've gotten older is to let go of that a little bit and instead go all right well the challenge here and what I sh- would have fun with is if I can get them back and yeah. so what, and, and again, you start looking around the room and you start seeing different people and seeing how they're reacting. And sometimes because of the way the room is flowing, you lean into the person who's not laughing at all. And yeah. sometimes you shut your mind off from them and you go to the place that's laughing and you check back in and see if you get them down the road. But it's yeah. all about, you know, it's all about the night and it's all about the flow and you still screw it up. You just don't beat yourself up so much. It's kind of like, it's not your first show. It's not your last unless, you know, you get hit by a bus tonight. So, so yeah. analogous, analogous to baseball or to sports. Mm-hmm. We had Freddie Sanchez on who played for the Giants. He won the batting title back in 06 with the Pirates. And then uh, he played for me at Glendale. But he said, Coach, there's, there's, there's two ways. There's two types of athletes. So there's two types of successes, he said. Sam. And he said, yeah, one is. Um, I'm sorry, my wife is calling. Well, there we go. Okay, there we go. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We can bring Freddie her Sanchez. in. I like to get, I want to get the real truth about you. If you want to bring her in, that'd be great. Right? Okay, yeah. anytime she <laughs> yeah. wants to jump in. But uh, 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 Freddie Sanchez, we were talking about the two. He says either I want to win so bad or I can't stand to lose so bad. But there's nothing in the middle. And I assume when you go out to perform, when I assume when you get out there, there's got to be a little nervousness. But it's either there's two types of I cannot fail or I want to just kick this audience tail. And I don't know if I'm using yeah. the right term. There can't no, be somewhere in the middle. No, you're not wrong. I mean, I think that it's like I think that it's like it's also the circumstances of the show. And it can be anything that that sort of motivates you to a higher level. Like sometimes, you know, if you're if you're performing at the Montreal Comedy Festival and your peers are there and a bunch of the industry is there and there's maybe an opportunity that somebody's going to see something and want to make a deal with you to do something with them coming out of that. Those are really elevated stakes. Or if it's like an industry showcase down at the improv um, or, you know, just, you know, you can be on stage and whoever Seinfeld or George Lopez or, uh, you know, some some legend, Chris Rock, will walk in, um, and all of a sudden, you know, especially if you know them and they know you, yeah. Then all of a sudden, you go, "Oh, I can't, I can't be slacking right now because they think well of me." And, yeah. And yeah. so now it's, and but also, I can't let them see too much of the old material that the, that I was doing the last time they saw me because I want to make sure that they know that I'm still active and in the game, especially yes. for as much as I do other stuff now. Like right. when, when I'm out, I perform a lot at the uh, Comedy Chateau over on Lancashire. I do it on the weekends a lot. Right. And, and, um, and it's a blast because it's this brand new club. Um, it's a little bit of a tire fire in terms of just the comics are young and amazing and creative and really good and insanely diverse, which is something that in sort of like my prime days of stand up where that was mostly what I did. That wasn't the case. You'd get, right. you know, it would mostly be white dudes, a couple women, and and somewhere in there were a couple of people who might be gay or might be black or might be Latino or something like that. But now there's so many people doing it and they have so many different perspectives. And the ones, like what I always love is when I see someone who doesn't come from anywhere near my walk of life mm. and they convey their story or they convey their point of view in a way that makes me laugh. Like that to me is like the, is like the ultimate, because it's, it's, it's another one of those, you know, it's a sports corollary, I guess, is that there's this thing that like great is great. And for all the talk that we have right now about, you know, about wokeness and about, uh, um, and about, you know, um, saying the right thing and doing the right thing, like comedy 
is this killer litmus because right. it's really like comedy. You're supposed to push things and see if they wobble if you're a comic and you're supposed to test ideas and test theories. And not everybody has to be that. There's plenty of super silly character acts, stuff like that, who are great at what they do. But in, in the lane that I grew up in is like, that's what I love and that's what I respond to. So what I love to see is somebody who, you know, and I don't care if it's bagging on me at all. I don't care what it's coming from is I want to see them work out a theory on stage that has a whole audience just go, oh, shit, and start yeah. laughing at it. And that that is so like to me, that's what's great about comedy right now. And there's so much talk out there about, you know, is comedy dying? Is comedy in jeopardy? Is every comic who ever tells a joke going to get slapped by a flip by a famous person now? Like what's going to happen? Chappelle got tackled last night. Are you going to get attacked when you go on stage? I'm like, doubt it, but it's happened. Um, um, you know, like, like that's, but that's, what's great about it. That's we've lost the idea that testing out ideas through freedom of speech. Awesome is the greatest gift we have. And if we can make each other laugh while doing it, we can take an argument and turn it into a conversation because we can all lighten up a little bit. That's fucking amazing. Hey man, you're now, now you're beyond, I mean, you do stand up, which is great. Oh, by the way, our studio here is right across from you from the federal on Lancashire. If you know oh, where that's cool. at. Yeah, yeah, so, we're, yeah. We're right here. And so when you say that, I go, I go down, I go down and see that, but I was okay. going to ask you if I can, and we can edit it out if this is not appropriate, but, no, please. Am I? If someone makes fun of me, in this, if I'm watching you and you rag on my bald head, am mm -hmm. I allowed to go to the stage and just slap you? And, but then I'll say sorry. But can I just go and give you a, a backhand and go? No, it's it. No. Was, was that a bad night? Was that a bad night that night? Yeah. Yes. I mean, here's the thing. I, I tweeted this or posted on Facebook or something okay. like that. I think so many people have, so many people have various but similar reactions to what happened there um by the way let me stop i wasn't making my meaning my bald head i wasn't a god dang it i wasn't trying to insinuate what happened that particular night oh no 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 but but no but i but i will but i but like i think it ties in so let me, let me ask you. okay when i watched that i was like and i'm not that into the oscars because right. nobody ever gives me one so i so i was like I'm, I'm like watching. I'm I've I've got news on the phone and I'm doing stuff. And my wife's really into it. And then you know, of course, Chris comes on, so I'm going to watch. Right. And then the slap happens, and then everything that happened after the slap. And it's been a long, long time since I've been in anything that would resemble like a bar fight or something like that. Uh -huh. But that's what it felt like. I was like, I've had so many different reactions after watching an awards show. Never like I personally was just in a fight, like. It was like to comics, everybody else has to understand just how important Chris Rock is to comedy and to comics and how much he's done and how many people he's elevated and how many you know barriers he's broken down um, and how much the broad audience collects to him because he crosses those he crosses those borders so well. Uh -huh. And to see Will Smith, who they don't really know. Like, yeah. you know, like, eh, eh, I play golf with Alfonso Ribeiro every once in a while, but, I, but that, do, I, do I know Will Smith? Like, if I saw Will Smith, would I feel like it was necessary that we had a conversation or I said hi to him okay. or he said hi to me? You know, and, and so to all of us, Will Smith is not the star in this scenario. Right. And, and then you see how Chris handled it from oh. every moment forward afterwards in the all class to the point where he, he sought out Wanda 
who's my old office mate from the Keenan Ivory Wayans show. And she's awesome. And, and, but he sought out Wanda and he sought out Amy and he sought out Regina and he apologized to all of them for what right. happened saying, you know, this is supposed to be your night. You did great. I did not mean to steal the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, um, he did. And it's, it's unnecessary, but that's who he is. Yeah. And so our, you know, collective defense of that, like sometimes I fault us a little bit because I think we're laying it on a little thick with the, we're all going to get attacked on stage for saying, yeah. like I, I can be, you know, I can be pretty um, um, comedically aggressive towards individual audience members. Is that what we call it? Comedically aggressive? Yeah. Is that yeah. how you want to my own amusement. It? Like they didn't, they didn't start anything. I just went and, <laughs> and, and, but it's in your tone and it's in your inflection and it's in, in it. And you don't do it if the audience hate, well, sometimes you do, but yeah. you, but yeah. you know, you don't like, you're feeling the moment and you're, and you're adapting in the moment and you have a pretty good sense that the audience and that person are going to go with you when you go there. Um, and we all get it wrong, but, uh, but it's, but it's like, that's not, it's not like there's going to be this epidemic of assault happening to comics after jokes ever, ever, because most people who go to a comedy club go because they want to laugh. Right. A lot of people go to a comedy club or not. I should say a lot of people, there are people who go to a comedy club apparently because they want to be offended and they want to be able to say, that so-and-so said this and then tweet it in out of context and have someone and like start a thing. Um, um, but it, more often than not, people go because they're looking for a laugh and they're everybody's in at the same party and everybody's in the same mindset, regardless of what walk of life they're coming from. Beautiful. Um, Brings in my next, my next point. Yeah. Thank you for, for, for talking there is you go to a baseball game, a little league youth game. And, and when I go to a comedy place, I want to see that. I want to laugh. I just want to laugh. That's it, yeah. man. And uh, when I go to a baseball game, coaches and parents out there, I want to go see the kids play. And what ends up happening is there's no slap. I see that. But it, some of these coaches get kind of aggressive out there, these young coaches. And yeah, it becomes about them and mm-hmm. not the kids on the field playing. It, mm-hmm. it truly does. And we, and I know I've been with guys that go to the comedy. Yeah, this guy, let's go. Let's, let's get drunk and be just as loud as the, as the, as the comic. Let's go, let's go, Denny. Let's go. And I'm like, man, that's, I'm not going. Man. That's not, yeah. that's not our goal, but yeah. you could see guys that go to games and they sit in the stands or coaches out there and it becomes about them. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to find a way to get to these young coaches or these, these old coaches, shut the hell up and let the kids play. Let them fail. Let the comedian fail. Let them, let them go out there and appreciate what's going on out there. Yeah. Cause an eight year old kid yeah. that, 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 that's got, he just got out of diapers five years ago, has not swung a bat in two years. He's just starting out there. And a guy doesn't get a base sit. You hear that, do this, do that. Boom. I'm like, my yeah. God, it's crazy. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that out there and I can see you. I've watched you on, on YouTube, tear into people, how you can keep your mouth shut. And not absolutely undress a guy out there with your verbally, uh, verbally aggressive on him. Is that how you say it? Yeah. And, and tell the guy to shut up, man. I mean, well, well, I mean, you know, okay. So for, first and foremost on the youth sports thing, like I got lucky uh, or unlucky. I can't decide because my daughter didn't gravitate towards athletics. She plays golf and she played on the Buckley team. But uh, as, as Lotsie would tell you, it was a rebuilding year when she was captain. Um, um, and so her, her skill set matches mine on a golf course. Uh, but, um, but she, but, uh, she's a, she's a physicist. So I got, I got that kid. So like, 
the, that was the other nice thing is like neither my wife nor I could possibly hope to helicopter parent her because we stopped understanding the problems she was doing like when she was eight. Yes, <laughs> so, yes. So, so she's an applied physics major with uh, chemistry and mechanical engineering minors at Northeastern. She's like Unbelievable. On, a whole other, on a whole other track. But my niece uh, up in Minnesota is a, uh, is a blue chip hockey player and, and uh, youth hockey in Minnesota is a religion. And my brother is very, is very, very into, he's coached and he's, he's coached at various levels coming up. Um, he's very involved in the youth hockey thing. And now she's looking to go off to, you know, a D1 school or a really good D3 school. Um, and, you know, and, and, it's, and it's given her so much, but we talk about that all the time because it's like, in a way, it's sort of understandable that the commitment there, we'll get back to comedy. I know that that's more interesting part to you. No, no I like this. Yeah, in a way, the parental commitment is, you know, is sort of understandable there because they're when I look at like my brother's and his wife's life for the last between a son who played hockey and lacrosse and baseball all the way through up and and a daughter who's been playing hockey, you know, since she was since she was just out of diapers is yeah. ice time. They're up at four in the morning. They're going in two different directions. It's just a state of way of being up there. And so the time investment, you know, if nothing else, whether your kid's going to go pro or not, the time investment lies to you and tells you that this is the most important thing and the only thing in everybody's life. And, and so that, you know, that, which is why I love Gary so much because he supports Johnny in that, you know, in that endeavor, but he also like, doesn't put an expectation realistic or other or unrealistic on it. He just goes, he loves playing baseball. And so I get him out there. And if he's never, if he's not having fun playing baseball, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Um, Yeah. You know what, you know what, too, God, man, KP Anderson. Now what's the KP stand for? I don't need to ask. Uh, Is that Christian Christian Phillip? It was a little haughty for the comedy thing. So (laughs) why do we have to attach pros? It's interesting. The little league coaches, especially in baseball, you see, because football, there's a size thing and basketball, there's a size thing. And so they accept that, Hey, hopefully my kid continues to play as much as possible in baseball. We attach, and we always use the term, there's only 1%, less than 1% of Little League players going to play pro. Why do we even, I, I don't know why we even uh, have to put that. By the way, your daughter being a physicist, my God, how, yeah. how fortunate are you? You know what I mean? Pretty, yeah. You win, <laughs> yeah, game over. You've won, game's over. And uh, and just the only thing is, don't let her date a baseball player. It'll be yeah. miserable for her life. Okay, that's just that. <laughs> yeah. Baseball players and comics are off limits. Off the- <laughs> yeah. No, but, she, like, she, this is, this is a part of the act, but it's a very true story is she, when, when she was home over the holidays, she was home for New Year's and that's when she decided she was a Mechie uh, mechanical engineering major and then was switching to, uh, to uh, applied physics. Wow. And we went to a friend's house for, for New Year's Eve. Everybody had some drinks, including my daughter, who, by the way, doesn't drink much. But when she does, Tito's neat. <laughs> you ever a white claw? Stretch before you run. Yeah. <laughs> But, but so, so we get home, I go out back with the dog for a little bit. And then I come back in, I sit down in my chair with my book. It's like one 30 in the morning and she comes in and she goes, Hey, can I talk to you for a second? She, yeah, sure. And she goes, uh, I want to tell you why I want to switch to applied physics for my major. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then she talks to me for 20 minutes mm. about physics. Mm. And then she goes, what do you think? 
I was like, I think it's time I told your old man smokes a little weed when he goes out back with the dog. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I've been staring at your earlobe. You got something right there. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a whole different language. It's a whole yeah. different language. Yeah. The, the nice thing about your daughter drinking, though, but as a physicist, she can put the exactly right amounts in, knows what it's going to handle. There's no gone too far. It doesn't go overboard. It's exactly no, well, right. Well, she is that way, too. Like, a part of it's me and good creative parenting because my wife said, because I was a road comic, so I'm not going to lie that drugs have not been a part of my life. Sure. Uh, um, but she was like, you're the one that did drugs. You should talk to her about drugs. And I, you have to know your child. You have to know. You can't just give some stock speech of, you know, and some dare to be different crap. Like, it's not going to. It's not going to affect them the way that it is if you just psychologically meddle with them. Yeah. And, and so I know my daughter. I know she's a very picky eater. So I said, here's the thing about drugs. Drugs are spicy. And that worked. That, she did wow. not all through high school. She did not, not pot, not mushrooms, not nothing. The, uh, the message there is you got to know your daughter. You got to mm-hmm. know your kids. Mm-hmm. And there are parents out there and that never played baseball. Their dads and they come on here, son. Let me show you what you got to do. They sit on a bucket all day long. They watch videos. They watch shows. They watch the Dodgers. And they sit out there and they they want to down sit have their son sit down and watch a game with them. The truth of the matter is, you know your daughter. Mm-hmm. I tell coaches and dads, dads with their kids, get to know your kid. I tell our coaches, get to know their name, get to know what kind of pizza toppings they like. What's their favorite cartoon? What's their movie they watch? Get to know these kids because the talent that you have, KP, the talent you have is already there. I can sit here and talk about, I can research you all day long, notes all day long. But how about getting to know you? How about looking up, yeah, you want to have, how about, how about as a parent, getting to know your daughter? Can you imagine if you want to con- take your daughter out of the phys- if the physicist, I don't even know how to say it or spell it. I know it's F-Y, right? I think I'm right there, right? With the uh, F- the, uh, can you imagine going in and, and saying, you know, I really think you're going to like to be on the road. This comic, this comic world is, is unbelievable. Look at me now, yeah. honey. I am now, an, I've done this show. I've done that show. I've done Blind Date, Talk Soup, Wayne Brady, Joe McHale, Norm McDonald. Look at me throwing those things in here, man. Now, oh, you. you allowed your daughter to just be who she is, correct? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, you know, there's a couple of stories in there. That it that are like, and again, I, we didn't like. It wasn't like some theory of parenting, but it was just us being who we were. Yeah, and my wife gets so much credit, but you know, but she's not here, and she keeps calling. So um, I'll just I'll just say what I did right. Um, but it's like, but it's like you. There, when I was going on the road and and you know traveling, I was traveling a lot for a period because um, we were we, Joel's career, Joel McHale's career was taking off while we were doing the soup, and he was doing movies and stuff. So we'd kind of like take the show on the road and do it from wherever he was. Plus, I was touring with Joel as a stand-up, and I was going out like at least two or three weekends a month. Uh, I was like the Army Reserves of Comedy to to go to Phoenix and play, and go to St. Louis and play, and go here and there and stuff. And there was and she was maybe like seven or eight years old. And, and there was a day when I was leaving and she, you know, started to cry a little bit and she was like, I wish you didn't leave so much. And, and I thought about how I should address that. And I couldn't make an empty promise. You know, we need money. We need, we need all the other stuff. And so instead I just said, um, I just said, you know, before you came along and frankly, even before your mom came along, there was this thing that I was obsessed with and in love with and loved doing. And, and, and it, and it made me so much of who I am. And I chased it and it wasn't easy. And I went out and I, and I did it and it helped get me successful doing what I want to be doing with my life. 
And I said, and I'm, and I'm sorry that I do leave for that. And, and I wish wow. I could be here more. But I said, if I, if, if it serves any purpose for you, is that maybe when you're older and you want to chase your dreams, you'll, you'll, you'll feel freer to go after them. Wow. We've seen your dad do it. And I think that a, it helped the communication between she and I, um, um, and it helped her to feel like she could talk to me and I wouldn't give her a BS answer, you know, cause they do sense that stuff early. Absolutely. And I wouldn't be brushing it off and I wouldn't be putting it under the rug. And I was also was very lucky. She's a very aware, very perceptive kid from, from day one. And I'm not quite sure why, but, but, um, but that was, that was really helpful. And that a lot is also is really a credit to my wife because my wife always talked to her a little bit like an adult, not like, you know, she didn't like crack open the wall street journal for reading lessons, right. but she would, you know, she would be very free and open with her about why does this happen? Why does that happen? And when we didn't know the answer, we were like, let's look it up together. And instead of like trying to make it up or saying, because Jesus said to, or whatever, we would, we would, you know, we would go to like, let's, you know, let's try to find that. And I think that we just, I think that we just got lucky in that approach because we didn't know what we were doing, but it made her a little bit more confident in her own ability to go seek answers and to trust that her parents weren't hiding things from her. Man, uh, I, this is exactly what this podcast is about. We talk about baseball. I know we use the word term swing hard, but what I, what I'm hearing you say is a is you were showing your vulnerability, if I may say a little bit. Hey, yeah. I love your honesty on that. Talking to our kids. We don't need to talk to our kids. This is my opinion about, hey, you know, your dad had a drinking problem when he was younger, so I had to sober up. But I, I mean, not that kind of stuff. But yeah. we can say, hey, I the reason why I'm gone in the truth, here's why it is. And then to give you the opportunity, young lady, that you will now be feel free to go out and do the same thing. Because I want you to go out and fight that, you know, yeah. Gold well, and, and, you know, it's natural to, it's natural to want to be their hero all the time. It's right. Want to, and it's natural to like, I don't, I'm not coming down on people who take a more protective stance towards parenting because it's, it's supernatural to not want them to feel pain, to not want them to. It's just that, it's just that to me at least, and it really helps in what she's doing now where she kind of skated through school. You know, she graduated with, she got one wrong on the SATs. She graduated with this like bizarre grade point average and all this stuff. And now she's in college and now she's in these classes and now she's, you know, now she's found a mountain that's kind of worthy of her. And yeah. when she has the bad days, she reacts like anybody else would. But I do think when we talk about it and she's had a couple of those moments as a freshman where it's like, wow, scheduling and studying and all this stuff. And I didn't, you know, I might not get an A in this class and, and all of that stuff, it, 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 it rattles her, but because I'm able to kind of go, Hey, look, you know, I found a mountain that was worthy of me and you've watched me fail at climbing it for wow. 18 years. And so, but here I am, I'm on the mountain and I'm farther up than I was when you met me. Um, so, you know, that's, that's what the mountain that's worthy of you does is, is you're supposed to, you know, you're supposed to fail and you're supposed to, especially if you want to be a scientist, my God, we need, we don't want scientists who think they're perfect, like, because then they'll just take the first thing they make and feed it to us. Like, you know, so like, so like we need, we need scientists to really be, and basically all people who do every job, like television production is failure, is, is screwing up until it, it screws up into something that you think America will love. And then, I, you, and then you show it to them and you find out if you were right. <laughs> God dang it, man. I wish so one day you're in your big, I hope you, one day you got to perform in front of 3000 
physicists. I can see it. Well, <laughs> I want to see you up there and we'll see how good really KP Anderson can handle that. I've got one who corrects me with every word I say. So <laughs> it exposes me for the liar I didn't know that I was every time I open my mouth. So I'm not quite sure I need 3,000 of them coming back. Um, no, uh, what happened was... Um, <laughs> I think that's great. Hey, we're uh, we're just about done here. And I, and I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have, man. Yeah. I'm telling you. It's a simple, it, it, the, the goal is exactly what we're talking about. The relationship with you and your daughter and your wife and your daughter and, and, and the relationship that we need to build with our young kids and the kids today, man. Let's build a relationship with them first. And then and I've coached my, my whole life. I just coached and I don't know why and I'm not great at it, but I, I continue to do it. And I continue to see kids that smile on their face and they, they swing hard, they strike out, they come back. And I ask them not, Hey, what's you wrong? I'll ask them, where was the pitch? Where was the pitch? I was up and away or it was down and in. And, and there's a whole different conversation we can have with these young guys. And that's when you got them. That's when you, that's, yeah. that's, that's when you, yeah. that's when you, when you have them. Yeah. Uh, it, I, it's before a, we go, go before yeah, we go, please. Can I give you one more. It's my, it's a, my kid thing, but it's a, my kid playing baseball thing. Got to have it. One crazy, like, 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 don't try this at home, but it works. Please. Kind of tip. So Sophia, when she was uh, like three or four years old, we, re- we realized she had like kind of a floating eye. Her left eye was floating a little bit. Sure. And, uh, and so we went to UCLA, my alma mater, and, uh, and saw the eye specialist. He said, you know, if this were caught later, she might need surgery. But I think with this new therapy that we're doing by patching it for certain hours of the day, um, or by patching the other eye. I'm sorry. It was the it was the right eye that was lazy and the left eye. Um, um, and by patching the other eye, it forces that eye to correct and that muscle okay. builds and that muscle builds. And so that's what we did. And for like three or four hours a day, she wore a patch. And during that time, she really wanted to learn to play baseball. So I had my, our little plastic bat and our wiffle ball. And I was pitching to her and with her eye patched. And all of a sudden, when her eye was patched, she would just rope them with her bad, lazy eye. She was like smacking stuff right back at me and over my head. And you could knock a milk jug off second base. And she was like, and it was just crazy. And, and then when she got the patch off, I took her out. My daughter to this day can still really identify a pitch because that back eye got so strong. And because the latent eye was the one that was recognizing the pitch coming in. Yes. It got rid of all the lies of the, of the forward wow. eye. And wow. so, and so everything that's happening here on that throw it at their head thing it's yeah. not there. It just, you only, you only recognize the release point on the ball. Hey man, so, they have a train. You know what? If we were around earlier, if she, you could have made multiple billions of dollars. Cause they now have, they have a training of, of, of glasses. They have a train. Yeah. Honest to God. Yeah, yeah, they do. Where you put, where you put uh, the, the blood, uh, the, you cover up one eye on your glass and then you flip it on the other side. And that strengthens the eyes to see that thing to keep the head still, keep the eyes still and focus on that. It's exactly right. Makes sense. But do it the KP Anderson method. Put a patch on your kid's eye and throw some at their head. There there you go. (laughs) That also, that toughens her up a little bit. That'll toughen her up right then. Toughen her up, right. Hey man, um, I really appreciate you taking the time in the middle of the day to come out and do this with us. Of course, man. Thank you so much, Danny. It was really a pleasure. I'm a big fan of yours. Again, KP Anderson. By the way, I talked to John Henson this morning. Oh, and, I love John. And, yeah, Big John. I, I said, hey, I got uh, I got Mr. Anderson. He says, I said, uh, hey, why don't you jump on in here? And he says, um, he said, I'm in Knoxville doing the food. He's doing the food yep. network in Knoxville. Yeah. I said, yeah. He goes, yep. but I go with well, the can I drop your name? He goes, yeah, drop it like an antler. And and I so I'm throwing it 
whatever he meant, I'm throwing it out there to say. Well, yeah. Clearly, we've been friends for years. We were neighbors for a while. We just tried to sell something that didn't work out. But uh, yeah. but um, but I'll 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 pick up the phone and go hang with John Henson any day of the week. Yeah, he talks about his younger kid. He wants me to teach him how to hit. This is about five years ago, seven years ago, and it was three or four. I said, John, let's just wait. We got time, man. Let's just wait for the kid to, to go. So now he just calls me coach all the time, but he wanted me to make sure I, I reached out to you and said hello. That's awesome. Well, I would love to get together with you, uh, Gary, John, whenever. I'd love to come see a Notre Dame game this year. It would be, a, it would be great. I tell you, we're in the playoffs tomorrow at 315, first round of playoffs. Our boy Hunter Green got rocked a little bit this morning. He gave up some home runs. He's struggling. But you know, a 100-mile-per-hour fastball, I guess it's not working right now. Well, he's he's throwing gas, but, yeah. you know, but they're picking up the gas. Like, everybody knows that now. So, like, I had a double off the wall off of Chris Wanky in high school once simply because I'd already struck out three times on him. And I was just like, well, I'll just start swinging when he starts delivering. Why wouldn't he pipe it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. I'll tell you, if you were in t- April in Minnesota with an aluminum bat, and I was just running around the baseball. God. That's gotta be miserable. That's it's gotta so be miserable. Awful. It's, it's so got awful. to be. Yeah. I know Jimmy Jimmy Pardo talked last week about his. Uh, he had what he, he got one hit his whole life when he's ten years old. So you got that on him. I, you got that on yeah. him. No problem. Yeah, I'll take I'll take Pardo on the base pass. Yeah. And by the way, he hit a double too. So I don't know. It yeah. was a double. Yeah. That's what he said. You, you, yeah. Did the guy who pitched it to him win a Heisman Trophy when he was twenty eight? Good point. Yeah. You win. You win. Yeah. Hey, Florida yeah. State. Chris Wayne played for the Minnesota Vikings as well, man. That was a great yeah. job. I'm a huge Vikings yeah. fan. And when they drafted him, I went, what? But who knows? Man? Yeah, you're a Vikings fan? Huge. Ever since they had nice. Brand Tarkenton and the Purple People Leaders and uh, Alan Page, Carl Eller. I mean, I, I Chuck Foreman, Stu Voigt. I was a huge Viking fan, man. Well, Bud Grant. God. When you want to do when you want to do an hour on living with pain that won't go away, <laughs> let's let's talk Vikings fan. Let's yeah. talk. Let's you. talk being from Minnesota. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can appreciate you. Have you ever gone ice skate, uh, ice fishing? I got to just ask that last question. Do you ever do yeah. ice fishing? Yeah, Is, love it. Man. Where? Tell me the joy in flipping ice fishing. <laughs> Drunk in a house, your wife's not there. You were came in the <laughs> snowmobile. The, the 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 feasible reason that you might be there is you might bring home dinner. <laughs> Where do you go? Do you go out and look for that perfect spot to cut a hole in the ice, or is that, it's already you know? It just doesn't matter. You just make sure you got a half tank of gas before you head home. That's it. Like you just you just get out there. And <laughs> I love it. I mean, there are spots, there are people who are better at that than me, but, but it's, it's mostly like, it's a, it's a little like, it's a little like pontoon boats and softball. Those are reasons to drink. That's all. <laughs> I swear to God, you yeah. guys are tougher. You Minnesota, the Minnesotans are much tougher than us to look like people, us, us California people. Us. Just a cryogenic experiment that thaws out every once in a while. That's it. You're listening to the Swing Hard Podcast with Denny Barrett. If you like what you hear and you enjoy every single episode of Denny's Podcast, please call us or email us now, 310-500-9911, 310-500-9911, or email at pds at podcastpds.com. That's pds at podcastpds.com. Thanks again for listening to the Swing Heart Podcast with Denny Barrett.